Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, where we interview location-independent entrepreneurs that travel the world like a boss by being their own boss. Here's your host, Johnny FD. Hey guys, it's Johnny and welcome to episode 237 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I am in Las Cabos, Mexico with BK Brandon Kessler. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you, brother. It's good to be here. Good to be kicking it with you for a couple of days. Uh, enjoying the sunshine, enjoying the company. Yeah, so we're actually overlooking the, is this, I guess this is the Pacific Ocean. It's really beautiful here. BK lives in this dope apartment complex that basically just walks out to the pool. So this morning I woke up, beautiful sunrise, and I walked straight out. I actually wanted to walk out naked, even though I know this is a, a, like a like a shared um, condo pool, but I really wanted just to walk out naked and swim because it was just right there. Yeah, that's actually frowned upon a little bit in the community. Uh, I've got two warnings, so uh, that would have been my third strike and I would have been out of here. So I appreciate you not doing that, but uh, yeah. So you have two warnings for walking out naked and swimming naked? <laughs> yeah, I mean, those were long nights. I'm here in Cabos, you know, I'm currently single. Come on, bro. Uh, it happens. <laughs> no, I'm sure it was for something else. But the reason why I wanted to have you on the show is, man, we've had a, a cool history. Like, I, we met... I don't even know how long ago. Probably, do you know what year it was? Roughly 10 years ago, I would say. 2010. Probably about 2010. Yeah. So, ten year, almost 10 years ago, both of us were basically living and training and fighting in Thailand at the time. And both of us have somehow become online entrepreneurs. You have a really successful Amazon FBA business as well as a, you know, basically a supplement company. Uh, and... Yeah. <laughs> and you still train, you know, and teach on the side and fighting. I've kind of moved on from that. But can, can we go in the backstory on kind of how this all started? Like your background, how you got into to fighting into Thailand? And then maybe later on in the show, we'll, we'll talk about the business part. Yeah. So basically when I got started or when I decided to make the move to Thailand, I was about 30 years old and I had been competing a lot in uh, mixed martial arts. Uh, but I was never like taking it a hundred percent and I really wanted to, you know, take, sell all my crap, move to Thailand and really just make that move and give, give fighting a hundred percent. So that's what I did. I sold all my stuff, jumped on a plane, moved to uh, 13 coins gym, Bangkok, Thailand. And, uh, I started, started training twice a day, hundred percent. Yeah, it, it was, it was a fun adventure. So out of all the literally hundreds of gyms in Thailand, how did you settle at 13 coins basically just uh ran at random i was doing research online and i just ran across a podcast uh, i think it was called fight passport or something to that nature and uh the guy was doing reviews on lots of different gyms but yet he was staying and living at that gym and i just thought well why is this guy staying at that gym when and he's doing reviews on all these other ones but he is staying there and he has the option to stay at a million other gyms so but he's staying there so I just was trying to kind of like reading between the lines and uh, pick that gym. And actually, I mean, it worked out really well for me. I went there. I trained for a couple months and uh, became kind of friends with the owner. I was getting ready to leave and go to a new gym. And then the owner uh, offered me a good job. Um, he offered me a job as the MMA coach there, getting paid room and board plus a small salary. And at that time in my life, I really didn't have much going on. So free room and board was a pretty good deal for me. And uh, that was really all I needed. Took that. And uh, yeah, that was that. 
Yeah, that's cool. That, that's actually a really good point that you made about reading between the lines and also just reading like blogs or listening to podcasts about where to go and what to do. Because even though there's plenty of good places in the world, if someone's actually seen all the options, you can probably decide like the place that they're at is probably the best, you know, versus someone who's only been to like one place and they're like, oh, this place is great. And this is why it's hard to trust reviews on like TripAdvisor or just random things like what do you have to compare it against? You know, like somebody might say, you know, um, you know, whatever is the best, you know, like is a great all-inclusive resort in Cancun. And you're like, well, how many, how many other ones have you been to? They're like, oh, this is the only one I went to and it was good. And maybe it is good, but is it really the best if you haven't compared it to, to other places? Yeah, 100%. I mean, you definitely with online stuff have to kind of read between the lines and really do your due diligence and, uh, you know, research. Don't don't take the first uh, blog post you see on something or the first review or anything of that nature. Yeah, so that's why I like having, you know, kind of really in-depth, like, you know, long-term blog reviews. And I never review something the first week I'm, some, I'm somewhere. I always wait at least a month. You know, ideally, you know, be like two or three months before I write a, a blog post or a travel guide to a city because that's when you really get to know the place, you know. And with Muay Thai... You know, I had a Muay Thai blog, My Fight Camp, that I basically just, you know, went around and reviewed all these different gyms as well. And that's actually how we met. Yeah, 100%. I remember that. Uh, a good friend of ours, Will Chope, who actually became a, a big UFC fighter and all that. So funny, actually, when I first met him, I think he had a losing record of, I want to say at that time, he was one win, four losses. And now if you look at his record, I want to say he's like 50 and... 15 or something. I don't know exactly what his record is, but it's insane. He's one of the most active fighters in Thailand. And at any rate, so we were both mutual friends with him. I was training with Will at the gym and uh, he was asking me if uh, one of his buddies could come and stay. And uh, I was in good with Mr. Coke and that's the owner of 13 coins. And uh, I went and asked him if one of my buddies could stay at the, could stay at the gym. But the uh, the accommodations uh, were a little bit different than the accommodations that I was staying in. Yeah, so I was, I mean, this is 2010, so I was pretty broke and I was just traveling around and I wasn't really making, I don't know if I was making any money from the blog. I just liked doing it. I just really enjoyed doing it. And I was used to staying in fighter accommodations, or which were always pretty basic, right? Like, you know, sometimes they're dorms, shared rooms. This place, though, was a whole nother level. It was basically the addict above the gym and i want you guys to imagine that so a outdoor thai gym you know sweaty and the addict of it was like you climbed up this rickety ladder it wasn't a ladder it was yeah yeah excuse me it was a ladder but it was like a broken down ladder that had like steps missing yeah and it was like it was bad i guys i I can't even explain how bad this was i mean like i'm pretty sure they were like you know, birds or bats like living up there when I wasn't up there. There was giant rats. I mean, I'm talking rats bigger than a small dog that would walk across the uh, the beams at the top of the gym. But I was close to I was close to training. It was free, and I got to do what I love to do. I wouldn't do that again now, <laughs> but I'm glad I went through that. And I think this is, this is something kind of to learn from you know the experiences, like especially if you're in your 20s or like you know you're young and you don't you know, or if you're just new to traveling. Go, you know, don't stay at like luxury hotels and don't spend all your money on just accommodation. Go out and just, you know, even if you're paying for it, like go and, and just stay somewhere where you're closest to the action, you know, you're closest to your passion, whether that's Muay Thai, MMA, scuba diving, you know, whatever it might be, 
just like suck it up for a bit because you, you'll never do it, you know, when you're 40 or you're 50, do it now. Yeah. Like I, I was telling you yesterday, if I don't live very close to my gym, I end up going about, you know, 30 to 50% less than if I live right next to the gym. When I live next to the gym, I, I'll go every day, no matter what. But when I live, you know, 30 minutes, an hour away, it's so much easier just to say, ah, I don't know. I don't feel good today or, you know, come up with excuses for yourself. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think as a digital nomad or as a, like an entrepreneur, that's a huge benefit that we have that other people don't where we can just move pretty easily, especially if you don't have that much stuff. And that's why that's another big reason why I like kind of being a minimalist and having very little things and renting, you know, the combination, renting the furniture, just not having anything, you know. I'm a big believer in being walking distance to the place that you want to spend the most amount of time. For me, I've moved literally behind a CrossFit gym when I was in Thailand. I and mean, that was my kind of my goal of what I wanted to do every day. I've always lived at the Muay Thai gym, either in the gym or right across the street from it. When I started working online, I literally moved across the street from the co-working space. And that way I would have no excuse not to go every day and not to go you know, back at night, maybe after dinner or something, just to work a bit more. So I'm a big believer in that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's also one of the benefits of being a digital nomad. Um, well, one of the benefits and also, I guess, one of the uh, curses, the fact that you can work constantly. You can work no matter where you're at, as long as you got your laptop. Uh, I find myself working too much sometimes, and I need to kind of separate from that. But um, yeah, you can really leverage that. So, you know, and, and think about all the time you save on traveling or driving. I mean, one of my best friends drives two hours to work and then two hours from work. And when you times that over a, a year, look how much of his life he's lost. Whereas when I start my day, I mean, I wake up, have some water and coffee and sit down in my underwear and get to work. Yeah. And this is a beautiful spot as well. I mean, like as we're recording this, we are overlooking the ocean. He has, you know, this huge like windows that just basically open all the way. So you just let in the outside breeze, the pool's right there. I can see, you you know, why it's comfortable for you to work here. And, you know, for me, I, I personally don't work well from home. I, I need to go out. So whether it's a, it's a coffee shop or coring space, but there's plenty of people. I think, you know, my buddy Chris, he works really well from home. You work really well from home. If anything, you work probably too well from home. So it really kind of depends on your, your lifestyle. But uh, kind of speaking of that, like, what do you think of... Cabo San Lucas, like, like this is definitely a really beautiful place that you live in, but like, what are the kind of pros and cons of being here versus, do you miss Thailand? Do you miss the U S well, Thailand's amazing. Um, we'll go back to that. But I mean, as far as Cabo goes, a lot of the reasons I love Cabo is for one, the climate is amazing. Uh, it's basically just like California weather. It's dry. It's nice all year long. And then also it's very, it's close to home. So I can have family come visit. I can go visit my family, uh, things like that. When I was living in Thailand, I never had family come visit and it's just a little bit nice being home. Now, Thailand is also amazing. Um, it's still probably my favorite country in the world, but you're so far away. And also I spent about, about four years there off and on. It was just time for a new scenery for me. And Mexico really fits the bill. It's, it's something new. It's a new language to learn. It's a new adventure. Everything is new. Like Thailand, I felt like I kind of had maxed it out. You know, I, uh, I just have done everything. 
Yeah, and, and I know that it almost sounds a bit silly to say because there is so much to do in Thailand, but I feel the same way. You know, I've been there off and on for the last almost 10 years, and I've pretty much been everywhere that I wanted to go like four times. You know, I've been to Kolanta four times, been to Kotal four times, I've been to all the, you know, great places. And if I had to live there forever and never travel anywhere else, I'd be happy. But having the option to be able to kind of be like starry-eyed again and experience new culture almost for the first time and then enjoy kind of this parts of it, it's, it's almost like, it's almost silly not to, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's like that that new new is kind of an addiction, you know, when you're, you're, you're traveling and you get that, that new feeling, that new country, it's all those new butterflies again. It is a bit, um, I don't know, for me, it's a little bit of an addiction. Um, how many countries have you been to now? You've been to a, a massive amount of, of places. Yeah. So what's funny is I try not to go to too many new countries because I really want to, like, I think a lot of people, especially when they tr- first start traveling, they have a bucket list goal of going to, you know, 40 countries, 50 countries, 100 countries, just to say they've been there. I'm, I'm almost, and to be honest, I like kind of fell for that, that trap like a few times where I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I should go to Gibraltar just so, you know, just to say I've been there or I, you know, I need to go to Rio River or some random place for a day or for an hour just to say I've been there. But now I really try to, go places for, you know, two, three months at a time and really get to know the place or at least, you know, f- go for a few weeks or a month just to like really get to know it and not just check it off my bucket list. And also, I try to go back to places I really like year after year to get to know it better or see other parts of it instead of just going once and be like, okay, you know, it's all the highlights, never need to go there again. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I try to do the same thing. I try to live in a spot for, you know, whether it's three months to a year or, you know, sometimes even longer then you, you know, you can really start to understand the culture, uh, dig in with the locals. You're not just in the touristy places like that. Um, typically when I'm traveling, I, I, I don't do anything touristy unless my friends come and, and then actually it's good for me because sometimes that is pretty fun, but, uh, by myself, I don't, I don't like that. I really like to just dig into the, um, what feels authentic, you know, like the gym I'm going to now, it's this little, uh, Muay Thai gym, Muay Thai gym and, and jujitsu. I mean, and it is super uh, authentic. You go up two flights of stairs that are completely um, abandoned, basically, and then you get up and you find the gym, and it's just—it's a pretty rough gym. Uh, I mean, I'm the only gringo there. I'm the only—you know—everybody speaking Spanish, and it's a—it's cool. It's a fun experience. I enjoy that kind of a thing. Yeah, I definitely agree. I—I th- I think having that kind of connection to like local culture is so much more more rewarding than just going on like day trips or staying in an all-inclusive or, you know, doing kind of like the normal touristy, like hotspots, you know, like, oh, I have to see the Eiffel Tower. Now I have to go see this museum. I have to go see this. For me, I I like a mix of both. I like basing myself out of places that have both where I can get plugged in with the locals, but then on the weekends, go do like a walking tour, just kind of see the history, to see the sites because, you know, it it is beautiful and, and there's really cool things to do. But, you know, so far... I think one of the reasons why I do like Las Cabos, and for those of who don't know, Las Cabos is basically Cabo San Lucas and the kind of a smaller town, San Jose del Cabo, uh, and they just call them the Cabos, which means the caves. And it's in Baja, California, which is the west coast of, of kind of the northwest of Mexico. And where I, compared to where I was last week, in Cancun, it's so far. It's literally the other side of the country. And it turns out 
it turns out that's a huge country. Yeah, I mean, Mexico it is very big. I actually, when I first came here to uh, Cabos, I drove from Washington State and did a 45-day road trip through all, all of Mexico, you know, not straight through, just zigzagged all the way, you know, all the way to uh, Playa del Carmen, where I did live for about a year there. And that was a really fun, uh, a really fun adventure. The funny thing is, is when you live in Cabos or Cancun or Playa del Carmen, everybody can speak English or most of the, the locals speak English. Everywhere else in Mexico, no, the, we didn't speak one word of English for the whole 45 day trip until we ended up in, in uh, Playa. So it would, it was a fun adventure. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I had a great time. What do you think of Playa, by the way? You lived there for four months. Like, how do you compare it? Uh, life there to here in Ascabos? No, I lived in, in Playa for about a year and I've lived here in, in Cabos for about four months. But in, um, I mean, Playa is beautiful. It's, it's absolutely, absolutely beautiful. The city, Fifth Avenue is, is, is very cool. There's lots to do. There's amazing restaurants. There's nice nightlife. Um, there's pretty much everything you want to do there. I had a great community there. Uh, Gracie Barra, Playa del Carmen, really cool gym, great coaches. Uh, I really, I kind of miss that part of it, but, uh, I'm seeing a lot of opportunities here and possibly thinking about some business opportunities here. So I'm kind of doing my own due diligence now and then we'll see what happens in the future. But, um, I mean, both are amazing. I can't say the, the humidity is worse there. The, the weather is better here. Um, but then again, I like the, the scenery there, the tropical views, the trees. I mean, it's just gorgeous. So, so why'd you move here then? Well, I was back in Thailand and uh, ended up uh, having a breakup with my girlfriend and uh, needed a new scenery. So, yeah, we can <laughs> we'll move on to something else. So so I guess. OK, so I guess you were living in Playa uh, when that happened. And then you're like, all right, I need to go to a place that I've never been. So you're like Las Cabos. Yeah, exactly. I just wanted a fresh start. I didn't want to go back to, uh, you know, those old memories. We maybe edit this part out. <laughs> no, no, no. You know, I think this is a big part of. You know why we we do things, and like I, I think when we travel, they say that we either are running towards something or away from something, and it could be running towards like more freedom, better you know better weather, uh you know like like a new start, you know new opportunities, or it could be running away from the cold in the winter, you know, or like high cost of living, like just crazy taxes, stress, whatever it is. For me, when I first left Thailand. I mean, so when I first left the U.S. to move to Thailand, I was definitely running from stuff, you know? I was running from a life that I thought would make me happy living in the U.S., you know, like, you know, spending way too much money, buying way too much stuff, you know, like, just being just being unhappy. Like, thinking I had to, you know, buy new clothes, you know, go to the bar and try to learn, you know, how to pick up girls just to, you know, be be happy and be normal. And it wasn't until I moved to Thailand and I realized, you know what, none of that really matters, man. Like... Like, I, I can just go there and I can just do what I love doing, whether it's scuba diving or Muay Thai, and I can wear flip-flops, I can wear board shorts. Nobody cares. Yeah, exactly. The The stress level, the stress difference from living in Thailand or living in Mexico or something like this is so much less. You don't have that keeping up with the Joneses sort of aspect. And when I go home, I immediately get that again. I think, oh man, my friend's got this, look at my, he's got this huge house. He's got this awesome new Hummer. He's got this Tesla and it's, it's, it's hard and it's stressful, you know, whereas when I'm in Thailand, you know, people don't really care too much about things like that. You can just hop on your scooter, you know, go to training, you know, it's, 
it is that minimalist lifestyle and you that's kind of why, why i'm kind of a minimalist you know why i've learned that it's so much less stress and and i'm happier you know one of the happiest times in my life was when i had a hundred dollar condo living next to team quest thailand and was when i was building my company you know and i had i had no stress because I, I didn't need anything to live i mean i could live off of 500 a month i could go fight once in china and then live off that for two or three months and then you know just live a very peaceful easy life yeah that was crazy i, I remember I, I also mine was never actually was it a hundred i think i i think the cheapest accommodation i ever had was 60 dollars a month in a bamboo hut near, next to phuket top team but <laughs> you where will lived as well i think that's where will lived right yeah we were neighbors that that's how we met and i remember he was so broke that every day he would only have, I think, like two meals a day. And it was always the same meal. It was Cowpad Saparot, which is fried rice with pineapple. And sometimes he would get an egg on it if he needed, like, the extra protein. And this is, like, an active guy training twice a day, fighting professionally. And he's, like, how tall is he? So Will fought at 145 pounds, and he's six foot four. I mean, he towers over me, and I fought at middleweight. <laughs> so just a, a giant. And I mean, that that kid is a savage now. Still one of the most active fighters probably in the world. I mean, I think he's got over 100 fights. It's just have been amazing, actually, to watch his journey. Yeah, and you know, he kind of had a, he had a very unlucky break in the UFC. He his first opponent was Max Holloway, who is a current champ, and just like. It just he it was just it's a hard life, but he's kept you know it's been scrappy. He's fighting a lot in Asia. He's you know he, he's enjoying life out there, and it's kind of cool to like think back and reminisce. And I think one of the reasons why it's been so fun hanging out with you here is just catching up after all these years of how much our lives have changed, but also to kind of know like what is everyone else up to? Because I mean, when we met, we were both fighters. You know, and we were, you know, living off of, you know, like just really low, like fight purses. Like, you know, like, yeah, I, I remember I was, I th I remember I, I made like a 5,000 bot a fight and I was trying to live off of that for a month, which is 150 bucks. It's, it's like, it's, it's impossible. Yeah. I remember when I very first started my like online businesses, I just remember thinking, okay, if I could make five, 600 bucks a month, how happy I would be. And I actually remember when I first, uh, started making that and I was literally like doing jumping jacks in the kitchen you know it was um, it was crazy I mean it was just just crazy to see how far you know what I mean we, we've came <laughs> it's uh, I want to say rags to riches but in a way you know it was, it was definitely rags to riches and so, so let's before we get into the you know, current entrepreneur stuff because I want to get into that like what were like do you remember like your your first fight your first purse like how, like, how to walk through that journey? Well, my, are you talking about my first fight ever or my first fight in Thailand or what, what are you talking about? Cause I've been doing this since I was, since I was 18 years old. Yeah, both. I mean, I would just kind of love, I mean, I, I think it's very seldom do we hear like, kind of like what it's actually like trying to make a living as a professional fighter. Well, when I very first started this, um, I mean, I had my first fight as an amateur at the Tacoma Dome. 
And this is a very big arena. The Tacoma, the, the Tacoma Dome is, is, it's big. It was too big for my first fight. And the amount of pressure and the amount of adrenaline. And I mean, it was absolutely crazy. I went out there. The very first punch, the guy hits me with a straight right and just busts my nose open, cuts my eye. And I just start bleeding with blood gushing out as if you opened a, it just as if you opened the faucet. I mean, it was one of the most bloodiest fights uh, anybody had ever seen. In fact, my coach, Dennis Holman, who is, um, who's seen thousands of fights still to this day says it's one of the bloodiest fights he's ever seen. So that was, that was crazy. The amount of adrenaline, it was just, it was insane. But, uh, you know, later on after I started, you know, getting those amateur fights out of the way and then moved to professional and things like that, um, you know, it became, it became better. It just became more natural. You know, the more you do something, the easier it gets and it becomes, you know, you don't have so much stress and things like that. And then you can relax in the ring and really perform to your highest ability. But the cool thing about Thailand was I, I actually fought in the very first ever, uh, MMA show in Thailand. So when they first introduced MMA to Thailand, it was, it was frowned upon by the, by the Muay Thai community. So they didn't like the you know, MMA coming in there, they thought it would maybe steal their business or, um, yeah, they just didn't like it. Yeah. So for those who don't know, you know, the history of Muay Thai, it's Thai kickboxing where, you know, it's all stand up. Uh, you have, but you basically have everything. You have punching, you have kicking, you have kneeing, you have elbowing, you can clench, you can throw. So it's really a all encompassing sport and it's a really fun sport. Everyone who goes to Thailand watches a Muay Thai fight. They make a lot of money from it. Local ties go to bet money. Tourists go to watch the show. So it's a huge money maker. So when uh, MMA started coming in, the 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 Thai people who had these you know businesses were like, no, we don't want this coming in to, to compete because first you know it's not our sport, it's not our national sport, and it's going to be a lot of Westerners you know uh, fighting and making money from it. So no, let, let's keep them out of here. Yeah, it was a big thing. Uh, the first one was Dare Fighting Championships, or maybe just called Dare. And uh, they ended up having to go and, you know, pay the right people the right amount of money, as as you do in Thailand quite often. They end up getting it done. And now uh, I mean, that, that promotion ended up kind of fizz, fizzling out. And now there's Full Metal Dojo that kind of took its place or, um, yeah, basically took its place. And now MMA in, in Thailand and in Southeast Asia is just thriving. There is promotions everywhere there's gyms everywhere jujitsu gyms everywhere it's becoming big business yeah and it's it's fun like i wouldn't do it again I'm, i haven't had a, a pro fight since i don't know five years and i train sometimes for fun but i don't want to go through it again i, I remember sometimes i would have like these delusions grandeur thinking like oh you know what maybe i'm gonna get back in shape i'm gonna fight again it's gonna be cool and then i remember Facebook showed a memory of my photos from my last fight. And the video, I, I was like, yeah, I could do this again. But the photos where they like kind of zoomed in and I saw how beat up my face was. I think I had a broken nose. My eye was swollen. My, I had got elbowed in the jaw like four times. And I saw the pain in my face. And I saw how messed up my face was. And I was like, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> Well, you're preaching to the choir on injuries and damage and things like that. I mean, I've, yeah, I've taken a lot of damage myself, but I, I still have the itch. I still want to get back in there for one last run. I'm calling out the, uh, the 185 pound champion of extreme fighting Mexico or the Filipino champion. Whoever wants it can come and get it. Uh, yeah. And I, I still think at 39 years old, I will 
beat these guys, these kids down. <laughs> so we'll see if, if we can make that happen. But, um, but yeah. But I think what's cool is you don't have to fight for a living anymore. I think you just like doing it. Like what, like, you know, you make enough money now where you never have to fight again. But what, what is it about fighting that gives you this drive? Uh, it's just competition. That's it. I mean, I, I just like to compete in everything. For me, it's just, uh, I mean, if me and you were playing Nintendo, I'd be super competitive and, and play until I beat you. <laughs> and you could beat me 10 times and I'll keep playing until I, until I win. But um, yeah, that's pretty much it. it. It is nice. It goes both ways. It's nice to not have to fight, but it's also hard to get up to training. I mean, there's like a saying, it's pretty hard to go go to training when you're sleeping in, uh, in silk sheets, you know? So yeah, it goes both ways. Yeah, it was definitely easier for, for me. Like when I needed the, you know, when I needed the 150 bucks, I was like, yeah, I'll do that. You know, how many, you know, how many of these can I squeeze in a month? If I can do this, you know, three times a month, I could pay for my whole living. Or if I just do it once a month, I get free a combination and free training in the gym. So I have to fight, you know, once a month, you know. And now I'm like, nah, I'd rather just pay for it. I'd rather just sleep in like a nice comfortable place. I'd rather just open my laptop <laughs> at a co-working space and make money that way. Yeah, I agree. It's it's nice not to have to do it, but when you see these other guys that are that are still doing it and still competing that are like my age or older, that's where I go, "Man, well, maybe I, I still got a bit left in me. Let's 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 see what happens." Yeah, but do you think like the like kind of did you learn anything from fighting or training for fights, either mindset wise or just in general that has helped you now with your business? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, competing in wrestling, jiu-jitsu, MMA, has helped. it's given me everything in life. I mean, just learning the the drive and the dedication and no matter how you're feeling, okay, get up, go put in the work, and you're going to see the results. And then also losing so many times. So, like, when you compete in jiu-jitsu or go to training, you're just going to lose. You're going to get tapped out a thousand times. You're going to get your face punched in a thousand times. And learning to get up from that and learning that, you know, your ego you don't, don't keep an ego. And as soon as you can get rid of that, that's going to help you in business. It's going to help you in life. That's going to help you when you're with your relationships. Um, yeah, that's great. Anybody out there, any kids or any younger people that are, you know, want to help themselves, I suggest going to a, a jujitsu class or an MMA class just to better your life. I mean, for me personally, it's, it's given me everything. Yeah, I agree for me as well. And I like how that you mentioned you know, jiu-jitsu. And, and when we say jiu-jitsu, we're talking about Brazilian jiu-jitsu, not Japanese jiu-jitsu. Uh, and we're talking about, you know, Muay Thai or, you know, maybe boxing or MMA. I, I feel so bad for people who spend their lives doing, you know... Fake, fake martial arts? Fake martial arts. <laughs> call it what it is. <laughs> call it what it is. Yeah, call it. I mean, there's a lot of bullshit martial arts out there that are... They're basically uh, little cults that brainwash people, man. Uh, you know, you're, a lot of your kung fus and you're just foo-foos and, and these things. And, and now we're seeing these be exposed. I don't know if you've seen the, the Chinese guy that was going on. He's an uh, MMA guy that just was challenging these, uh, these fake martial arts. And he was just beating the crap out of everybody. You know, they're showing that they're, you know, these guys are trying to, you know, use their invisible powers and their, their chi or whatever the heck it is. Yeah, and I thought that would have all ended when UFC came out, like you know, twenty years ago, because they did challenge. They said, "Okay, let's let's fight. You can bring in your ninjutsu, your kung fu, your karate, your you know whatever it is, and we'll challenge in a basically no holds bar you know cage fight. All everything goes. You know, if you want to try to eye poke with your uh, Krav Maga, go ahead. And none of it worked. Like, and I'm not saying that like 
zero percent of it works, but let's say one percent of it works. So if you happen to be in really good shape, really really athletic, and you're doing kung fu, karate, you know, you know, even like you know taekwondo, you know, all these sports, some of the stuff works. You know, like the spinning back kick in a taekwondo is really powerful, but overall, as a entire martial art. It just doesn't really work, and ninety nine percent of the time, it's not going to work. Ninety nine percent of the people you know who train it would be way better off training Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, MMA, Muay Thai, or boxing, or something that is proven day to day in real sparring, and not sparring, but you can't punch in the face. We're not sparring like theoretical sparring with Krav Maga or. In this case, you know, if you did this, I would do this. Then you would do this. Then I would do this. With jiu-jitsu or boxing or, you know, Muay Thai, you're like actually, you know, you're not telling the other person what to do. You're just going at them and they're going after you. Yeah, I couldn't say it better myself. Um, That's 100% right. You have to have, you have to prove it. And take, for example, wrestling. What do they do at the end of practice? They go and they wrestle. In jiu-jitsu, they go and they they play jiu-jitsu and they they spar and go for the submission. But these like point fighting things or, you know, like you say, these scenario-based uh, fake martial arts, <laughs> you know, they don't work. You can't say, Hey, uh, I could give a heart surgery like this. If I did this, that, and that, no, you got to be able to do it, show it and prove it. And that what that's what was cool about, you know, the UFC. We really did see that we got to see what is the best and it, you know, what was the best in 1993 isn't the best. Now it, the sport has evolved and it's constantly evolving. You need to know everything. And, and yeah, I mean, yeah, just, uh, if you decide that you want to put your kids in a, in a school or something like that, do your due diligence and put them in a proper school, something that's really going to teach them, uh, not just martial arts, but going to teach them something real. Cause when you learn this, this fake stuff, I mean that, that leads on to other things and other parts of your life, you know, but in jujitsu and wrestling and MMA, you can't fake it on the mat. It's there's, there's no faking you, you either, you're either good or you're not really well put and that's actually the point i wanted to get to is when i first competed in muay thai that was the first time in my life i couldn't talk my way out of something i i couldn't have an i couldn't have an excuse both in the ring or at or afterwards and also i couldn't bs my way like i couldn't like i don't know i i feel like with everything else right like in school if you there's ways to like you know kind of pass a test without really knowing it there, you know, at work, there's ways where you can like, you know, you can get a promotion or you can, you know, you cannot get fired. You could just work without really being that hard of a worker or, or even being like a great expert in your field in the ring, even when sparring, but especially in competition when you're fighting, there is no talking. There is no BSing, you know, you either know what you're doing, you either train and you're ready or you're not. Yeah. You find out real quick. Uh, whether or not you're doing something right or wrong and getting punched in the face will, will let you know. Um, yeah. And, and it's literally instant punishment. I remember, you know, I had a big ego when I first had my first Muay Thai match. I was like, oh, I could do this. I've seen this on TV. I can do better than this other guy. You know, and when I went in, you know, I realized, you know, after, especially after you get punched in the face, all you, all, you know, it's a reality check. It's the biggest reality check in the world. And I realized, crap, I haven't trained hard enough for this. My, my skill isn't high enough. My cardio isn't high enough. I'm not you know, in, in good enough shape. I don't have the experience. I've been lying to myself that I can defend myself, that I can beat up another guy. 
you know, that I can, and it's not about beating up another guy. It's, it's about like, you know, just being, you know, like being able to protect yourself and your loved ones. And at the time I thought, I think 99, you know, every 100% of the guys in the world think that they can protect their, their, their loved ones, their family, their girlfriend, their wife, their kids. If someone came to attack them or something bad happened, or even, you know, like they're just in a bad situation. 99.9% of people out there, you know, especially the ones that don't train, like they can't even protect themselves. Yeah, that's 100% true. I mean, if you haven't done it, then you don't know if you can. So get up there and try and do it, you know, find a gym and, and, and just try it. I mean, most of these gyms out there, they'll give you a free class or whatever. And it is really one of the best things for you. I mean, I'm not, I guess this podcast isn't about, you know, getting people to go out and, and, and go to a gym, but I, I really do think it's, a, it's great for everyone. I know for myself, like when I don't do it, um, like if I, if I miss a week of practice or something like that, cause I was injured, I just feel like crap. I mean, it's a huge part of my life that, uh, that I need and it helps me with everything else in my life as well. Like when I'm training, it helps with the stress of work, um, you know, the stress of a relationship, the stress of everything, you know, I'm completely, uh, I'm just so much a better person when I'm doing it. I definitely agree. And also it makes you a more calm person. Like ever since I actually had a, a pro fight, I've never once tried to start a fight at a bar in real life. And what's nice is I've never had to fight after that. Like I've gotten to random bar fights and, you know, street fights as when I was younger, but mainly because the other person's, you know, like starting it, they can tell I was scared. Even though I, I would, you know, what doesn't matter what I said, they can tell when you're when you're scared or if you're confident. And you're like, hey, I don't want to fight you. I don't need to fight you. I don't need to prove anything. But if you mess with me, if you mess with the people I love, I'm gonna mess you up, and I'm not gonna back down. And that's that look you can give them of of just calm confidence that'll save your life without you ever needing to throw a punch. Yeah. And it just goes with the ego thing too. After you train for a really long time, you don't have to prove anything to anyone because you do it on the mat or you do it in the gym. And yeah, that goes a long ways. I know when I was younger, I was always trying to prove something. If I was in the bar, I got in plenty of street fights, more than plenty. But after I started actually training, I never had the, uh, the feelings to do that again, just because I had, I had done it so much in the gym, which is the place you're supposed to do it. Yeah. And I think, you know, as, as humans, we need to let out some aggression sometimes. And I think that's a great place to do it in a controlled environment where you can be friends after and you can, but you can go all out. You can go hundred percent in jujitsu or even Muay Thai or boxing. You can basically just like, you know, just get it all out of your system in a relatively safe, controlled manner and then never have to do it on the street or in real life, but know that you can do it. And I think that's such an important, you know, part of just growing up, like, especially as a man, where nowadays we, when we're 16, we're not going out into the forest to hunt and come come back with a boar or you know, you know, there's no there's no gateway to manhood anymore. It's like you know, you turn 18, and like okay, you're a man. Are you? Are you really a man? Yeah, I mean, it, it's think about how long fighting has been around for. I mean, it's it's been around since the beginning of of time. Basically, it's always about who wants to be the alpha and things like that. And it is it is just a. It's it's amazing for you. One of my favorite things, though, is the respect that you get from other people who have done it. Like, I think everyone who's ever fought professionally, or at least you know they train, like maybe not like like a gym warrior, but at least someone who like who you know spars or does jujitsu, you know, for for a while. 
you get you get a respect from other people who are also in the know because I think part of it is they know what you've been through. They also know you probably don't have an ego because the nice thing about especially like Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is no matter how good you are, how strong you are, how you know experienced you are, there's someone pretty much at every gym who can destroy you and throw you around. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even the new gym that I just started training at now, God, there's all these tough young guys and, uh, man, it's, it's, um, you know, it's still, it, it puts your ego in check and it's like, damn, you know, I, it gives you motivation to get back out there and, and really start to, to train harder and to, you know, even though you're getting older, you can still train harder and improve and, and things like that. But yeah, but also as a, like a, like a tough young guy, you're going to come across an experienced black belt who might be half your size and he's going to destroy you and put you in your place as well. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've seen little guys that were just amazing. And that's one of the cool things about jujitsu too is uh, yeah, size matters. But when a guy's just super legit, it is, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing to watch or to feel. Yeah. But I think a lot of it is also camaraderie. It was like where if I'm hanging out with someone who I know can take care of themselves, I also know, I, I just feel safer with them, right? Where I don't have to take care of them. And also I know that if something ever happened that they, they can have my back as well. And I think that's a, a very tribal thing in our DNA that even though we live in a civilized society today and we don't necessarily need it, it's a unspoken part of being a human, being an animal, being, you know, especially being a man that is kind of lost in 2020, 2019, because this, you know, the world has gotten really soft. And and it's good that we don't need to fight and we don't need to protect ourselves physically from violence because we live in a civilized society. But at the end of the day, man, like when, you know, electricity turns off, you know, or something happens or you're kind of, you know, a situation happens, I I would rather be close and be friends with people who can take care, at least take care of themselves, but also hopefully take care of me and my loved ones, you know, if, if the situation arose. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like a on a physical level too. But like I was saying before, for myself, it's not just the physical aspect and the, you know, that, okay, that I could defend myself if something happens. It's about just the, like the emotional, like how I feel, um, how it makes everything else feel. Like I could be having the absolute worst day at work. I could have lost a bunch of money. My girlfriend could have broke up with me, whatever it is. Then you go and you get on the mat and all those problems go away for at least, you know, a while. And, um, yeah, just it makes everything else that much better. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, but I think the funny thing is, is a lot of people, because they know I did Muay Thai or I trained Jiu-Jitsu, they'll come up to me and say like, oh, yeah, I also do martial arts. And as soon as they say martial arts, I kind of know that they're going to say like, oh, I do Bushido or I do like Ninjitsu. Or, and it's always something I've never actually heard of that I'm like, that's kind of a derivative of some other fake martial art but because there's a new name or some new thing and like they want that camaraderie they're like yeah i'm i'm you know i'm just like you bro and i'm like and i i always want to tell them like like i i part of me wants to tell them like hey you're wasting your time you're wasting everyone you know you're wasting your money you you're you're like you're not you're not doing a real martial art but it's i don't think they want to hear it yeah and it's it's sad though because a lot of them don't actually know you know what I mean? A lot of them are brainwashed in a way or, you know, they grew up watching these Kung Fu movies and they really think that's true. It's amazing to me how many people that I find that still believe this, you know, there's a lot of people that didn't watch the UFC or don't watch UFC and didn't like see the evolution of the sport. 
So it's not like their fault. I don't think they're going out there and a lot of these people think that. I think they're just uneducated. I think half of them are uneducated and they just kind of fell for the wrong thing. But I also think that at least half or more than half are looking for some magical shortcut where they don't have to work hard. They don't have to get sweat. They don't have to get dirty. They don't have to get on the floor with another guy. They don't have to get punched in the face that they can still have all the magical benefits of, you know, of martial arts without doing any of the work. Yeah. A lot of people are looking for that easy way out, right? That magic pill, you know, things like that. I mean, for example, with my supplements, I have weight loss supplements and I have pre-workouts and things like that. And these pills, they work and they're going to help you. They're going to help you five or 10%, you know, but you have to work out. You have to exercise. You have to eat right. You can't go eat at McDonald's every day and think that you're going to take a pill and lose weight. You know, this idea that there's an easy way out or a get rich quick. I mean, nothing in life is easy, you know, whether it's, you know, in business, you got to put in that work. You got to grind every day, just like in, just like in the wrestling room or something like that. I mean, you got to grind every day, put in that work to see results. You know, there's just, unfortunately not yet. Anyways, there's no magic pills that I know of or no magic martial arts. Well, there's definitely magic pills out there. <laughs> okay, you're talking about something else. And, you know, and the things that work. There are, I'll, there are, if you guys want to know the magic pills that work, I'll tell you right now. But what they don't do is they don't, you don't take it and magically have a result the next day. All these magic pills allow you to do is work twice as long or 10 times harder, recover faster so you can work again. So for business and focus, take modafinil. If you want to be able to work 20 hours a day and not sleep and have focus, if you want to, you know, get, you know, big muscles, take steroids, take testosterone. That'll that'll allow you to grow and work out, you know, twice as much, recover, you know, in half the time. But if you take modafinil and you inject testosterone and you sit on the couch and watch Netflix while eating Domino's, you're not going to get any, you know, you're not your, your business is not going to build itself. And your your muscles aren't going to build itself. If anything, you're going to be in the same or worse condition than if you just didn't take it. So the magic pills work, but the only thing they let you do is work twice as hard. You spend twice as many hours at the computer or at the gym to get those results. Well, I don't know about taking all that. I would take USA supplements if I was going to take anything. Take some Cardio Max. All you fighters out there, if you want the best pre-workout. Uh, Go ahead and check out that Cardio Max. That's our real hitter boy. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, it's exactly it. You I mean you got to put in the work. No matter what you put in your body or this or that, you got to put in your work and everything else. You know, and, and like I say, when it comes to actual your body and, and diet and things like that, you have to put in the right fuel. I mean that that is that's everything. Yeah, I, I could definitely agree with that. So actually, kind of more about the the business side of it is, you know, we took all, we took all these lessons from you know, the, the work that we put in at the gym in competition that helped us like mentally have, you know, be able to, to, to know how to work hard, to set our goals and not be scared. I think it was a, a really cool transition seeing, I, I mean, there's, there hasn't been that many people that I knew from my Muay Thai or MMA days, you know, or just training jujitsu that have moved over to like the entrepreneurial side. But I think some of my really close friends, you know, especially the ones I really respect, uh, my one of my best friends, Chris, you know, he was a, like a really, really strong purple belt. He was traveling, do, you know, doing jujitsu, you know, competing in tournaments. And I'm pretty sure, I mean, I never really asked him, but I'm pretty sure a lot of that stuff has helped him with his business now. And now he's really successful. And then with you as well, you know, and and, and actually, so you, you had you had dropped the the 
you know, the, the name of the supplement company. Uh, but like, how did that all that start? So actually, how kind of how that started was I was training at Team Quest Thailand in Chiang Mai, and me and my good buddy Tim Tim Kreshmer, he's actually a guy what could tell the story about that that I met at Thirteen Coins, and I was when I was coaching there, he ended up coming in, and this guy was like I don't know like two hundred and fifty pounds or something like that, just way overweight. And I was thinking, okay, this guy's gonna last about one week. Well, he ended up paying like two months up front, buying a whole bunch of personal lessons from me. Four months later, he's down to like 190 pounds, one of my best training partners to this day. I mean, he lost all this weight. And all he did was copy and do exactly what I did. And I mean, he just was fit. He went on to you know compete professionally and uh, just became a savage. Well, at any point, fast, for, fast forward a bit, we're at Team Quest Thailand. We're both living there and we're both training. And we would go to the morning session, do our morning session. And then afterwards, we just grab our laptops and head to a coffee shop and start grinding. And uh, I just started working on my, my business kind of a little bit at a time, one product at a time and growing it. He was a computer programmer, so he would do that. And uh, we just grind that out, go back home, take a little nap, then head over to evening training or midday training, depending on, on the day. And uh, we did that for about a year and a half and, and then started to have something there. That's cool. I actually, you know what? I wonder how many people listening to this are, are thinking right now, like, man, that sounds like the dream because maybe you guys are a fan of watching UFC or of you know Muay Thai or Jiu-Jitsu, whatever it is. And you're like, I would love to live in a place where I can just focus on training every day and then working on my business on the side. I think Thailand is a great place to do it. Chiang Mai is a fantastic place to do it. Phuket is great for the the training and fighting side. I guess you can still work on your business, but there's there's not like the community like there's in Chiang Mai. So like, yeah, like what, what did you think of that life? Yeah, you can definitely do it everywhere. I lived in Bangkok, Phuket, Chiang Mai. Um, I, I did it in, in Phuket as well, but there's a lot more distractions there with the, you know, the party life and things like that. Um, no, I absolutely loved it. Like I said before, I mean, it's still one of the, the, best times in my life was living in Chiang Mai. I like to use the word magical because it felt magical when I was there. I mean, just the, the memories that I have and the, the experiences, it was such a, a great time in my life. And it's crazy because now I have more, but yet I have, I still have those more stress and, and things like that. Um, it was just a simpler life. Yeah. Even when I go back now, like I could stay, you know, actually, you know, I, I remember I had a goal of I really wanted to stay in the like super nice room at the Siri condo in, in, in the Neiman Heyman area, which is like the kind of ritzy cool area. But the rooms were like a thousand bucks a month, which compared to other parts of the world is actually still very cheap for like a super nice condo with like floor to ceiling windows, a like a jacuzzi tub with a separate shower, like, you know, nice king size bed, like in this beautiful, you know, you know, beautiful apartment. But there, it's like you know two, three times the price of another apartment, and I did stay there. You know, I think that was my goal. So I want to have enough money I can stay there. And first, I had the cheaper room, but then I moved into that really nice room, and I'm glad I did it. But then now, when I go back, like this time going back, I'm staying in like a three hundred buck, three hundred dollar a month room, like in you know right like in the area I want to be, but just like a basic place. And I think it's because when I'm there, I'm just like ah, life is easy, like. I'm happy eating $2 Thai food. I'm happy kind of staying in this kind of more basic place. I'm ha happy walking around wearing a t-shirt and shorts every day. It's an easy place to live. 
it's it's probably one of the easiest places to live and you can really leverage your life you know with that small amount of money i mean back even when we first started you know we were living on nothing but even though we didn't have much money like it was a quality life you know that we were lacking of nothing you could still go out and, and have a nice time a couple times a month or you know once a week if you wanted to you know, you're eating out every day and the food there is good. Like even street food is amazing. Living here in Mexico. I mean, of course I love Mexican food, but I'm still missing some of that, that good Thai food. You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah, I really just, when I was living there, I don't know, just an amazing time in my life. Yeah, I definitely agree. And that's why I go back to Thailand and to Chiang Mai specifically every year. Uh, this year I'm going to be back there. I'm actually going to be back there maybe even by the time this episode airs, but I'll be back from December till uh, February, February 5th. And I go because it's the perfect time of the year. The weather is really good. November, December, January, begin, ha- the beginning of February in Chiang Mai. It's it's not hot. It's not cold. It's just like sunny and beautiful. And the Nomad Summit is every January. So this year it's January 17th, the 21st in Chiang Mai. If you want to come meet 400 other digital nomads, people who are working online and traveling and and you want to learn you know, what's currently working in 2020, go to nomadsummit.com, get your ticket, come out and join us, and, and just come hang out. And, you know, Whether you want to train at one of the jiu-jitsu gyms or Muay Thai gyms in, in Chiang Mai, or if you want to just work and work on your business, it's a great place to be. I really want to actually check that out. Uh, I still haven't been to any of those things. I'm, I'm such an invert that I don't go out to these, I guess, social functions that often, but I really want to. I, I see like all the networking that you're doing and, you know, all the friends that you make. I mean, you've got million friends that are millionaires and, you know, people that are teaching you all these things. That's something that I know in my life I really want to improve on my, um, you know, just improve on networking and, and being more social. And you can learn so much, you know what I mean? Like in jujitsu or something like you're not going to learn if you're just doing it by yourself. And I do do it online. You know, I have community communities online but i do uh i do want to work on doing that uh with my own personal life yeah and, and it's it's i agree with everything you said and the thing about is about like the networking is when you meet people in person and you become friends with people in person it is so different than the, the networking that you do online it is completely different like it i mean it'd be the same with like mma or jiu-jitsu you could hang out online and you know like talk about things and break things down all day. First off, you have no idea what that person is like in real, real life. They even know what they're ta- you know actually talking about. Or they're just regurgitating crap they read. But when you train with someone in person, or you meet someone in person, you hang out with them. Like you look them in the eyes and you see their mannerisms. You see you know you know what they're actually like. It's completely different. And and the connections that you make, you know, will you know not only just improve your quality of life, like you know travel wise and with friends, but like business-wise, everyone levels uh, levels up because when you're with other successful people who are willing to fly out there, spend money for the conference, and you know spend a day there, you know seven hours listening to talks of what's working, a rising tide raises all ships, and and everybody comes out on top. Yeah, I think there's a saying like you will you will be the average of your top five friends, you know, financially something like that. So it's very smart to, uh, you know, make, make good friends (laughs) and it's not just about money, but it's about everything in life that you're going to learn. You know, I'm lucky that my, my parents or my dad rather, you know, stopped me from hanging out with the bad kids when I was young. I remember I was kind of hanging out with a rough crowd and, uh, got me back hanging out with the athletes and I'm still friends with all those guys today. 
you know in fact that the condo that i'm renting now is from one of my best friends you know so that's it's very important the the people that you meet and the uh the group that you keep you know keep your keep good friends around you yeah definitely and i'm assuming uh the friend that owns this condo wasn't one of those the the bad guys that you met before <laughs> no 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 that's one of my my best buddies actually and and also one of my business partners now as well so yeah yeah definitely keep uh, keep good friends that's something that's worked for me yeah i definitely agree and and that's actually why like I, I feel very fortunate, and you know, and this is why I share all the all these things. I really try to share my network with of friends and people with you guys on the podcast. So if you guys like this show, if you like this format, you know, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you leave a five star review on iTunes, but also just tell your friends about it. You know, because I feel so fortunate that I've met people who have mentored me both business wise. But also just like in my life, you know, like BK was my, you know, jujitsu MMA coach when I was at 13 Coins and kind of following you in the, in the journey. I've learned so much, you know, from you, from, you know, my buddy Nick, uh, who, you know, was my first, you know, kind of, you know, jujitsu coach at Tiger Muay Thai when he was training there and kind of I've been friends with him for you know, years now too. Just kind of having like all these people in my life, it's it just made me better, like a better person, you know? And then having Anton, you know, mentor me with dropshipping and then having all these people, like that is why I'm successful today. Not because, not just because, you know, I worked hard, you know, that's, that's a huge part of it. Like nobody's going to do the work for you, but you kind of need to have other successful people who have done it to almost kind of show you the way. And, and, and that's why I'm such a big believer in, you know, being friends with other people other driven successful people uh and just keeping them close yeah i agree 100 percent. i mean steel sharpens steel just like uh you know just like i don't keep going back to fighting because that's all i know but <laughs> yeah i mean you, you if you're around tough guys you're going to be tough if you're around smart guys you're going to be smart if you're around wealthy guys you're going to be wealthy i mean it's it's a simple that it's a simple fact um but yeah I love it. So, uh, real quick with with the, like the business stuff before we wrap this up, because I'm sure a lot of people have questions. Like supplements, that's a hard competitive industry to get into. Like, what are your what are your kind of thoughts and tips for people, uh, you know, who are either already in the supplement business or thinking about getting into it, or just thinking about selling on like big platforms like Amazon, where a lot of your customers come from. Like, what is working now in 2019, 2020? Well, supplements I do not recommend because it is one of the most competitive, hardest niches in the world. Um, it's it's just, if you don't have a giant bankroll, I do not suggest going into it. There's just so many uh, more easy ways to make money, uh, way better products that are smaller, smaller niches that would work. You can, you can definitely work uh, so much. You can get, you can raise so much faster, I guess I would say. Um Man, if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't have done supplements. I'm just so far invested now that I have to keep doing it. I mean, I'm like a little goldfish in a, in a huge pond. Um, but what I would suggest people doing, uh, something that definitely helped me advance was when I started joining groups. Like I started doing these courses rather, like online courses. I did basically all of them. Um, and there's a lot of free information on YouTube and places like that where you can get a lot of information, but it's not... It's not organized the way you can actually consume it well. So once I started buying these different courses and things like that, it, it, it did help me. But do your due diligence, you know, because some of them are, aren't the best and 
you know, some are good, but what were the courses that you took that were good? Um, now, you know, actually they kind of changed, so I'm not going to plug them. Um, they were good at the time, but now they're a bit saturated. Um, uh, there's one that I actually like, it's called helium 10. So that I still use that, uh, all the time. And that course is actually amazing. So I'll plug them. Okay. So by the, by the old ones, I'm assuming it was things like amazing selling machine or courses like that, where at the time it was like up to date, like legit info, but then it's just kind of an older system now where too many people are doing it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, it wasn't that one, but I'm just going to say it was just saturated now. Like back then it was like a core group of people. You were kind of friends with everybody in the group. It was more personal. Whereas now it's just kind of more of a cookie cutter courses and things like that. Um, it just doesn't work as well. Yeah. But I think that's a good tip to, to take away. I, I think a couple of things. One is pretty much every single person who's successful, who has a business, you know, doing over a hundred thousand dollars a year, they took courses, they spent money. I mean, and you have to, you have to uh, invest in your education. I mean, if you're not educated, you're gonna, you're gonna fail. Simple as that. But it's funny how many people have never technically failed because they never started, but they're patting themselves on the back because they saved a thousand dollars by not buying a course that they just spent the last, you know, six months on YouTube trying to piece things together. But think about like, here's the thing is most of those people never piece it together. They might get a bunch of random info and they just never get started. Or they say like, oh, nothing works, you know, you know, like whatever, you know, oh yeah, that course now sucks. But they heard about it two years ago when it was really good and they could have taken it and then been ahead of everyone else. But they waited two years for it to start sucking so they can validate themselves saying, good thing I didn't buy this course. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but the education is everything, you know? I mean, I've learned so much. I spend, I mean, I probably spend two hours of my day at least still like learning stuff, watching, still watching YouTube videos. I mean, watching, listening to podcasts, you know, things like that. And the, the online world is changing so fast that you have to be aware of these updates. You have to be aware of the new, the new techniques, the new tricks, you know, just like jujitsu. I mean, I also probably spend an hour watching that stuff. You know, and it's, it's, you just have to do it or you're going to get left behind. Yeah, that's a very good point. But I also think, I think like just like jujitsu or, or anything, you have to have the foundations first or none of the tricks will, will help you at all. If anything, it'll, it'll mess you up because then you just get, you're just wasting your time on something that doesn't really matter yet. I think the reason why like these you know, tips, new, the latest new tips and tricks work, you know, for you, but also for, for other people who are successful is because they already have a solid foundation. So you, if you've taken a course that teaches you the step-by-step -step basics, you've done the work, you have a product that's already making money. Yeah. Then you can watch the latest, you know, YouTube videos or the latest podcast and take little tips and tricks here and there to add it to your arsenal or watch the latest, you know, YouTube video on the, the latest jujitsu move. But if you don't already have the, the foundation, the basics, you're just spinning wheels and just wasting time. Yeah, 100%. You have to learn the fundamentals before you can uh, learn the, the black belt tricks, if you will. Uh, yeah, so get out there. And, and, and like I said, you can get that off of like, you know, YouTube or blogs or something like this. But I, I agree. You know, if, if I had it to do over again, I would have taken the course first because it saves so much time. You know, it's like a lot of it I had learned before, but there was some stuff that I just completely missed, you know, and these were very important key things, you know, in a business that you should know. Well, thank you for all this great advice. Thanks for sharing your story. I think this is going to apply to everyone out there. So 
even if you're not interested in selling on Amazon, if you're not interested in doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu or MMA or Muay Thai, take these lessons that you just learned and apply to what you want to learn, what business that you want to start. Find you know a course that teaches the fundamentals or the basics of whatever you want to do, whether it's learning how to program or write code or start you know a VR you know or augmented reality you know uh, you know business out there. Find whatever course generally works now. Put in the work, learn the foundations. You know, put in the work, put in the work, put in the work, grind, 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 and then once you're successful with that then go out and learn the latest tips and tricks. So BK, thanks so much. If people want to find you, if they want to buy your products, check out uh, you know, uh, you know, your journey, you know, where can they find you? Yeah, you can just check out usasupplements.com. Um, you can hit me up on Instagram. It's bk.mma.bjj. Pretty easy there. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's been cool having you uh, kick it here. We had a good time last night. We binge watched about three hours of fighting, <laughs> just street fighting and UFC fighting and uh, everything. And we did a uh, commentary back and forth. It was pretty fun. <laughs> Me and Johnny would pick which guy we were going for. What was it called? The street beefs. That was, that was, that was pretty fun. Um, yeah. Now we're going to get ready to go out to the beach and uh, have a good time, man. Oh, I love it, man. It's, it's been super fun here. I'm super ha- happy I came to hang out. Such a beautiful place. Las Cabos is beautiful. The weather is amazing. So, guys, come check it out here. I don't know if this would be like the first stop as a digital nomad. Definitely, probably definitely not. Just like it's, it's hard to meet other people doing it uh, out here. But Chiang Mai is a great place to start. So, hope to see you guys out in Chiang Mai, Thailand this January. NomadSummit.com for tickets and more info. And BK... I will see you uh, here on the beach today, but also just hopefully again soon. Sounds good, brother. Let's hit up that beach, boy. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.